I don't really know how to start shows. Come on now, don't start, don't start liking me now. So yeah, I'm funny compared to you. Know, well, you'll see later. I stand for me. I know a lot of f-ing idiots. I think a lot of is mean spirited just because it goes against what they believe. But the relief of comedy is it takes things that aren't funny and it allows us to laugh about them for an hour. We got a purple suit to buy and a gigantic coffin. Why are you laughing? Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Why You Laughing, a history of comedy podcast. And today, I am pleased to introduce you to the Jerky Boys. And uh, if you don't like the bleeps in the intro, blame YouTube. So uh, we have a lot to get to today. Very excited to talk about the Jerky Boys because they have a very weird place in comedy history in the sense that they are extremely influential mm-hmm. had a massive fan base reached so many people and yet i don't think made a tremendous amount of money had a very short run and no one even knows their real names really it's it's very weird their their place in comedy and i don't i can't think of another comparison in terms of uh the amount of impact and influence they had versus notoriety Oh yeah, Every, um, everybody. Like uh, my dad had a box of cassettes, and that was the only comedy thing in there. And I used to listen to it all the time. It's crazy. I mentioned on KMS. I said, I think we're gonna do Jerky Boys, and I got fifteen messages. Yeah, do Jerky Boys, do Jerky Boys. I love the Jerky Boys. <laughs> so um, yeah, they, I mean, they had a tremendous amount of influence. But we'll get to um, uh, hopefully most of their history today. And uh, I also think we're going to do a bonus episode kind of related to this on the Patreon where we will go over um, some great prank calls uh, that didn't involve the Jerky Boys. Uh, Howard Stern, Opie and Anthony, uh, some outside sources, Scott and Todd, of course, we have to do them. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I think that'll be a bonus episode on the Patreon. And if you're looking for that, the easiest way to find it is blindmike.net. That's where you can get all of our links, whether it be Apple and Spotify, Google Play, however you listen to the podcast, um, or if you want to watch us on YouTube, trying to be monetized here. We're trying to play ball with you, YouTube. Mm. All right? So get those numbers up, people. Subscribe and tap that notification bell. Uh, Smash the like button, whatever these YouTubers say. We got to point down when you say that. Smash the like button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do whatever is down there. Do it. Um. And uh, all those links are blindmike.net on Patreon. If you want to, uh, well, if you want to support the show for free, um, like I said, do everything that you know helps the algorithm on all those links. And uh, if you want to throw a little quiche behind us, then go to the Patreon. Um, we do bonus episodes, a couple bonus episodes every month for Why are You Laughing. You get these episodes that you're listening to right now, a week before everyone else. So if you want a little exclusive time with these freebies, um, then you should join the Patreon. And then we also do, uh, you know, all kinds of wacky stuff back there. Uh, it's funny because we do have people that just listen to um, Why Are You Laughing and not the Blind Mike Project. So when they see like an episode of Quincy pop up, they're like, what is this? I don't understand. <laughs> what am I paying for? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. So just be aware of that. But uh, yeah, plenty of uh, bonus Why You Laughing's up there as well. If so, you don't know what Quincy is, you should get to know it. You should. It's a real treat. <laughs> um, yeah. So like I said. The Jerky Boys. Now, full disclosure here, and this might be uh, the generation I was born in, because I think if you were born after 1990, you have less of an appreciation for the Jerky Boys. Um, if you're my age, then you, you certainly know who they are. You've heard that name before. 
but I think it's like pre 1990 with uh, people born pre 1990, I should say was their real fan base. Because like I said, they petered off pretty quickly. Mm. Um, so Jerky Boys was made up of two guys, two members, um, Johnny Brennan and his buddy, Kamal Ahmed. Um, we'll talk a lot about, uh, we mainly focus on Johnny Brennan. Johnny Brennan's the one talking in most of the clips we have today. I don't have any Kamal Ahmed, and I'll get to why in a little bit. Um, he did have, so Kamal is the one that did the Egyptian magician, Tarbash, I believe his name is. <laughs> um, to me, I didn't, it, it, it's from a time where I think simply doing a foreign accent was good enough to get laughs. Yeah. So there might, I mean, maybe there's a lot more uh, nuance to it that I'm missing, but I think that was essentially the joke with um, uh, uh, Kamal's character. But uh, Johnny Brennan had much more of the uh, very popular calls, uh, Frank Rizzo and Saul Rosenberg, which we'll talk about. And uh, literally those, like Saul Rosenberg, I mean, literally Johnny Brennan's Saul Rosenberg character is a family guy character. Right. Um, that he does the voice for. So it's literally people don't have any idea, like a generation of kids know the jerky boys without knowing them. That's how deep their influence runs. Or if you hear any uh, anyone joking about uh, someone that is Jewish, does that voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what they're doing is a Saul Rosenberg impression. Right. Um, that's a good point. Or Woody Allen, I guess, would be the two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, so basically, these guys made a career and a living out of doing something that every child does at some point. They mastered, they were the best at being a kid, is basically what they were. Right. Uh, so we'll hear Johnny Brennan talk about kind of how he fell into uh, this line of work. Hmm. I'm the oldest of five children. I was always a ball buster. I was always getting into kind of good old American trouble, just doing like, you know, just a wise ass kid. So I would always do shit for my brothers and stuff to get them laugh. And um, this came about when I was, Jesus, when I was uh, 10, 11, I remember I used to do tapings and, and recordings. And uh, I used to make believe I was Don Cricky and I would come up with all these sports announcements and make believe. Uh, I would I would come up with really wild, crazy shit. One time, I I remember my father listening to me record, and I was only like ten or eleven years old. And I was like, uh, "Yes, Jim, it's it's quite unfortunate that uh, while he was on his way into the game today, his family was killed in an automobile accident." And I would say these <laughs> wacky things as if I was announcer. And my father overheard me. He opened the door. He said, "Son, what the fuck is wrong with you? What? Where are you coming out with that shit?" And 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 and. I remember being a, a, just a kid and saying to myself, I'm just making this shit up, dad. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Yes. But um, it, it's wild to me. The thing that's most impressive about listening to that clip is like now every kid has a phone. Everyone's on TikTok and all of that. But at the time to think to record this stuff, I think is pretty wild, especially for a 10 year old. Right. You know, like um, when we talked about Tucker Max on the Patreon, uh, we gave him shit for not recording. That's because he was kind of at a time where the Internet was blossoming. And he had the tape. So it's it's weird to not have the foresight to be like, I, I really need that tape. 
with uh, Johnny Brennan, no one in 1975 or whenever he was a, a kid making these calls, no one was thinking, hey, I got to save these. I got to record them so I, I have them for the future. That's pretty um, uh, prophetic, whether he, he intended it to be or not. Right. Exactly. What's, uh, what's next? Next, we have uh, the bootleg. The bootleg. So, so this is pretty wild. So um, we're fast forwarding a little bit here because we were talking about his childhood years. But then when uh, Johnny was a little older, he was working uh, construction stuff. He was a regular schnook, as they say. But he was still making these prank calls and uh, recording them. And one day like he would have friends over. I think he, th- there was a different friend that he did them with originally. Um, the, you know, the Brian Dunkelman of uh, the Jerky Boys. <laughs> and uh, then one day this Kamala Ahmed came over and he heard one of the calls that Johnny made and was just laughing his ass off. Couldn't, and he said, you gotta, people need to hear this. And so that led to the clip you're about to hear. How did it get passed around though? Like, what did you do originally before you got signed? How did it circulate? I don't have a clue. It hit the streets primarily because of Kamal. You know, Kamal was in bands in New York and he would make copies. And then the guys that were, fr- that were friends of ours loved it. They, w- they went nuts over it. They would make copies and their friends would make copies. And then eventually it made its way out to the West Coast, up and down the Eastern Seaboard. You know, Canada, Canada and Australia were there from the very beginning, all the way back. So it got, it got all over the world, wherever they spoke English, the United Kingdom, everywhere. And it's before the internet. I mean, they, it would had to be physically transported and copied yes. and given. You had to physically make copies and give them to your friends or whatever you did. And that's how it got all over the world. And it was considered the greatest bootleg ever. What's so weird to me about that is that I know that what he's saying is true and I still don't believe it. That's how hard it is to comprehend. Right. Right. What he's saying. Like if someone just told me that, like, oh yeah, my, my tape got passed around. It was overseas. It was everywhere. I'd be like, oh, well you're full of shit, but this is a fun story. Well, it's funny because (laughs) it's the greatest. I know that that's true. I know that that's what happened. (laughs) Right. It's the greatest bootleg in like the biggest era of music ever. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know what, what I don't understand is how something gets that popular in that day and age. I can't wrap my mind around it. You know, now it's very easy as we all know, if you have something like that and it's uh, of a certain quality, um, it will likely get into your algorithm if you're like-minded or have similar interests. You know, right. if the jerky boys were popping up now and you were someone who uh, constantly looked up Richard and Sal phone calls on YouTube, eventually you'd probably see the jerky boys pop up um, in your suggested videos. Back then, that's not po- all these people that heard this tape not only had to enjoy it, but had to say to someone else, you got to hear this. It's hilarious. I'm going to burn you a copy. Mm-hmm. Or not even burn you a copy. It was it was cassettes. So I don't even know how you do that. But you'd have you'd have the double tape player, and one could record and one would play. It was it was a whole contraption. Basically, what I'm saying is the amount of work to spread the word about these guys. I don't know if anyone has the energy for it today. I don't no. know if it would ever happen. <laughs> Definitely not. So that's that's truly impressive. And uh, he give John, you hear Johnny give Kamal credit there for kind of getting the word out there. So these guys were in bands um, when they were. I, I think the relationship is basically they grew up on the same street and like John, Johnny was like five years older than Kamal. 
So Johnny was in a band with like Kamal, Kamal's buddy's brother. So they kind of knew each other in a roundabout way and then just got together um, uh, by happenstance, I guess you could say. And um, started working together on these calls. But what Kamal did is would literally uh, go out like, you know, shows he was at bars, anywhere he was where there were people that he thought might have an interest in this. He's passing out tapes. Hey, you got to hear this. He's hyping up the jerky boys. Um, and one thing I loved, I tried my best to find an interview with Kamal Ahmed, um, that was worth playing. There is one where he's, uh, throwing a little shade at Johnny Brennan, which we'll get to. Um, it wasn't like great audio, so I didn't include it, but there is one where you can tell there's a tension between these two. But, uh, my favorite was, and this was another uh, quick thing. They didn't talk about the jerky boys at all. But Kamal Ahmed was on the Nick and Artie show um, back when they had a radio show together, Nick DiPaolo and Artie Lang. And uh, they don't they don't talk about the jerky boys or anything. But the whole time, uh, Kamal is uh, giving Artie, busting Artie's balls. You can tell they're friendly on some level because he's making, you know, fat jokes and calling Artie a hack and all this stuff. And Artie just says, uh, by the way, for uh, any of our listeners under 60, uh, Kamal is a guy that was in a group called the Jerky Boys, and uh, his role was going to bars in Queens and saying, uh, I have a friend who's funny, and he's on this. I thought <laughs> 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 that was a great arty uh, slam. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I guess you would say that was Kamal's role. Like I said, he did make plenty of calls that were very popular, whether I liked them or not. That Tarbash, the Egyptian magician, was a popular character. Um, you know, so he he was uh, a big part of those those tapes. Uh, but I would say that was more his end was spreading the word. And um, I think he's the one that dealt with like record labels and stuff like that. So in a sense you could call him more like the business guy where Johnny Brennan was the talent basically. Right. Um, um, so yeah, then they have this bootleg that's uh, taking off and uh, where are we now? Um, the word spreading. Yeah. So let's hear like, how, <laughs> that's another thing is yes, people around the country and maybe even in other countries are hearing this tape, but how does that culminate into something? And Johnny's going to explain that. I was at a family reunion in 1985, 84, something like that. 85-ish, I don't even remember. But I was at a family reunion and my cousins came up to me and they're going to school. One was going in Buffalo, another one was in Florida. And they're like, dude, Johnny, your stuff is everywhere. And I'm like, what stuff? Pause one second. I was in construction. I, I mean, he's the guy, so who am I to question? I don't think that timeline's right. Because that bootleg came out in like 88, I think. So I just wanted to throw that out there. All right. Oops. We don't need to stop the whole show. I just wanted to mention that. I don't know why this is. There we go. School, one was going in Buffalo. Another one was in Florida. And they're like, dude, Johnny, your stuff is everywhere. And I'm like, what stuff? I was in construction. I'm like, what stuff? The, the tapes that you make for Joey and Anthony and Jason. I said, you're fucking kidding me. They said, well, how did you get it at your school? And they're like, it's everywhere. It's not just at my school. And another cousin told me it's in Florida. It's here. It's there. And then 
right after that family reunion, I heard somebody told me, hurry up, put on Howard Stern. Howard Stern was on the radio looking. If anybody knows this Frank Rizzo guy, please call into the studio. I got to know who this guy is. This is the funniest thing I ever heard in my life. For a construction worker in Queens or Long Island or wherever he was growing up, <laughs> to just randomly hear one of your phone calls on Howard Stern has to be a dream. <laughs> like that had to be at that time, like Howard was bigger than anybody, especially with, you know, the working class. So for that guy to turn on the radio and be like, Hey, I think that's mine. <laughs> that's going to be fucking wild. How did he get this thing I made in my basement? Yeah. That, that's the craziest thing is like you would ha- I can't think of another scenario where you would kind of accidentally get recognition like that. You know, I guess if you, if someone else filmed you, if you were in a viral video and someone else filmed you or something, but those generally, generally you don't want the attention that you get with those, you know? Yeah. This is literally something that like he was kind of doing as a goof and became massive. I guess like Bo Burnham kind of has the same story in the sense that he was a kid that was making videos to make his brother, his older brother and his friends laugh Mm -hmm. and then just became a massive YouTube star. Um, So I guess some people just uh, that are talented enough kind of luck out in that way. And that's uh, what happened to the jerky boys. Yeah. But uh, here's him uh, talking about Stern some more. Yeah. So Stern was a huge um, impact on them and uh, he's going to explain so what role did Howard have in, in breaking it? What did Howard do? Well, Howard, obviously, uh, you know, Howard was probably the number one jock at the time. Sure. I mean, he was, had millions and millions and millions of uh, viewers in New York. Uh, not viewers, uh, listeners. Yep. This is before, you know, television and all that shit. Yep. So this is going way back. This is way before the internet. And um, Howard fell in love with it. It was the other guy was Mark Corento up in Boston. He was a big guy. Like he was a radio oh. DJ, like Howard Stern up in Boston. Yeah. These guys, these two guys got it. But Howard Stern is the one that really, you know, played it every day. And Howard got behind it. And he just thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. So I'll never forget Spin Magazine took out a full page in the middle of Spin Magazine. The record company did to use Howard Stern's quote. He said, you can't, he said, this is the greatest the funniest thing I ever heard in my life. You can't drive a car. He says, you blow snots out your nose. He said, it's the funniest thing I ever heard. And it- uh, by the way, Mark Parento, I don't think had a, a great end to his career. I think there's some dirty stuff with some old, with old uh, Mark Parento, but he was, uh, he was big in Boston at the time. And um, I was glad to hear that Howard uh, gave them their due and was very complimentary of them and everything. Um, because, Howard's show, like aspects of Howard's show was so influenced by the Jerky Boys, the prank calls um, that both callers and, you know, Richard and Sal make. Um, there's a lot of uh, Jerky Boy influence in a lot of those. And so I never knew if there was a direct connection between Howard and the Jerky Boys, um, despite the clear influence. So I was glad to hear that Howard acknowledged them and, you know, said that there can never be another Jerky Boys because, um, it's your life. Like anyone who's impersonating you is impersonating your life basically because Frank Rizzo, um, while I think everyone knows a Frank Rizzo type or maybe a Saul Rosenberg type, but Frank Rizzo is literally an impression of Johnny's dad and Saul Rosenberg oddly is an impression of his mom. 
Like that's he just started doing his mom's <laughs> voice like that, and then one day realized it sounds like a neurotic Jew, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Howard. I mean, Howard was uh, very big for them. Now, I do think it's important to mention um, they have reached massive fame at this point. I mean, like in, in terms of people knowing who they are, being on, and you know, even local radio like Mark Parento in Boston getting play there—that's huge in the nineties, way bigger than it would be today. Um, but Howard Stern's, you know, the biggest radio show ever you're getting play on there. And for that, they've received so far a grand total of $0, you know, <laughs> right. having the, uh, having the greatest bootleg of all time is not a particularly lucrative, uh, business unless you're the one illegally distributing it. Right. Um, so th- th- that's the weird thing about these guys. Um, that is all, uh, sad is the wrong word, but like disappointing. Like you kind of, these seem like guys you root for. They came from, you know, nothing we're, uh, virtually mm-hmm. and uh, were able to make it. So you'd like to know that they made a ton of money, which I don't think they ever did really. I looked it up. Johnny Brennan's net worth. Do you have a guess? We a sub $1 million. 500,000. Yeah. I had a feeling. But doesn't, um, he does some acting, doesn't he? Well, he's on Family Guy. He's yeah, but I mean, like, for- that's not like a high-paying spot. I wouldn't guess. Well, I I didn't want to have to bring this up, but he did put out a new album in 2020. Did he really? Re- re- yeah, revisiting the Jerky Boy. I can't. You know what? I can't say that the calls were bad, but I don't know how. You didn't, I, I don't know if you heard a lot of buzz about it. <laughs> Prank calls now aren't. You know, they're not really. That's 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 the tough thing. It's like he was involved in a genre of music, that, you know, disco or something. Right. Very it, of the time. As a perfect, a perfect, perfect comparison. Disco and right, prank right. calls. Um, what's next? Uh, next, we have him talking about Kamal with Corolla. Yeah. So, like, I want to I talk. I'm fascinated by their relationship, but unfortunately, you only really get one side of it. Like I said, um, there is an interview where uh, Kamal Ahmed was out promoting his album, uh, his solo album, after the Jerky Boys had broken up, called Once a Jerk, Always a Jerk. And it is Kamal doing prank calls, and I think there's some, like, sketches on there. Um, that's a little confusing to me, based on why Kamal left the group. Uh, so I'd be fascinated to know more about their relationship and the tension, but this is part of Johnny's side of the story, I guess. But, uh, what is the status and is, and where, what is it from your perspective and what, what would you like in terms of, you know, getting the band back together? Well, you see that, that, that's it, 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 I can't, you know, the truth is, you know, back in 1997, January, Kamal uh, officially left you know, being part of the Jerky Boys. The Jerky Boys was around before Kamal and, you know, it it all (laughs) fell into place, you know, nicely. The the whole, you know, just the look of the two of us, you know, Kamal's six foot four, you know, big 300 pound, big, big guy. And uh, just the two of us together even looked comical. Mm -hmm. So um, then, you know, the record companies, then uh, Disney comes along to make a, one minute I'm hanging off buildings and the next minute I'm starring in my own picture for uh, Disney and uh, touchstone and all that. But, um, you're hanging off buildings. Right that, you're doing construction. 
Yeah, I was doing construction and scaffold work and all that stuff. Oh, boy. So, and, but, you know, Kamal, um, right at that point, a um, little after that, he handed our manager, uh, we were coming home from Boston on a train, and he handed our manager a note that said, I'm done. I don't want any more of this. So, and, and he wanted to go and direct films and, and um, write. He wanted to write and direct. And I've always wished him well. I've, ne- I don't, I've never said anything bad, uh, you know, but that I, he's a grown man. So he's a grown man. I can't tell him what he's got to do. I can't say, oh, no, 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 wait a minute. So in 97 of January, that's when he split. So, and ever since, I mean, I know every time he's been approached or, or anything like that, he's been um, not, you know, a, a little, a little rough around the edges. Like he just, he doesn't want anything to, uh, to do with it. But, uh, uh, you know, Corolla was just biting his tongue, waiting to ask him about construction there. I but, know. <laughs> thank God he let Johnny get the answer out. <laughs> you measured twice, caught once, right? <laughs> um, so you you hear him allude to it there, but yeah, John, uh, uh, Kamal, when he left, like, won't talk about it. And like, even the interview clip that I found, he refers to, he's like, eh, that other guy, I don't want to mention his name. So there is tension between them, but neither one is addressing it. Now, uh, the reports were that they just didn't get along. They couldn't agree on basically credit, which it's interesting because if you look at it unbiasedly, uh, Johnny's mother came up with the name, the jerky boys. She just said it to him one day and he was like, oh, that's pretty good. Um, So his mother came up with the name. He does the best calls is the, 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 characters are based on people in his life you know i think if johnny wants more of the credit which i don't know that that was the case but i think he probably deserves it right like i don't know i don't know what kamal's deal was and it's interesting because you know my instinct would be to side with kamal but he's not out there telling his story you know it's weird because i want to say oh, maybe Johnny wronged him in some way. Maybe, like, you know, Johnny got an ego and and cut this guy out. But Kamal's not out there telling his story. And the other part I find interesting is, so the Jerky Boys made a movie, which we'll talk about in a bit. But um, the story became, like, in hindsight, and he kind of mentioned it in that clip, that Kamal left to pursue film. Uh, which is true. He's directed a couple independent films. Um, I I saw something that like Scorsese liked one of them, like complimented one of them. I don't know how true that is. Um, but he hasn't had much success, certainly not financially. Like no one has seen these movies really, other than Scorsese, apparently. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> um, it's thought, if, if Scorsese is the only guy that sees your movie, it just does nothing for you. Damn it. Um, But uh, so the story became that he left to pursue film and never wanted to speak of the jerky boys. But in reality, like I said, he made an album of prank phone calls with jerk in the title twice. (laughs) So like this idea that he wanted to separate from the jerky boys entirely, that didn't sink in for a few years, at least. You know, that's the, what I find very odd about it. The vibe I'm getting so far is that Johnny did something dastardly behind the scenes. May, but then that's what I'm saying is that's the vibe I picked up too. So I want to like side with Kamal, 
but he's given me nothing to be able to do. Well, it could he's be so, no it, it could have been over something so personal he doesn't want to bring it up. Well, I think what happens in a lot of these situations is, and by the way, Johnny, you'll hear spin some like revisionist history as well, where, uh, well, he might throw some shade in this next clip that we'll hear, but um, it is hard when like two guys work together and they both want equal credit. Um, that's hard no matter what, even if they deserve equal credit. And then maybe it gets even more difficult if one of them doesn't deserve that credit. You know, that's the tough thing about these partnerships and why they almost always break up, whether it's, you know, every, pretty much every radio partnership ends horribly. Um, you know, uh, uh, music, any, any, any brand of entertainment, uh, eventually duos generally end up hating each other. <laughs> My, the thing that made me think this way is obviously he doesn't have an issue talking, you know, confidently. And as soon as uh, Corolla uh, Johnny, asked him, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, as soon as Corolla asked him about Kamal, he's like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I think there might be a little bit in this uh, next clip as well. This is from uh, the SDR show, right? Yep. Yeah. So what actually, like, where was it? Because you put out six records. Yeah, but not together. The not, first four were together. Yeah, yeah, but even even so, it was more of a, a deal where um, I would take, or, or I'd be in the studio, you know, Kamal would, you know, in the beginning, it was, just, it was great. You know, he contributed, like, he would do, like, a couple of tracks for each record. And it was nice to, you know, I'd have, like, five or six skits of mine and then... One of his, right? Kamal yeah, skit. Yeah, yeah. And it would break up the monotony. And uh, and I love Kamal's stuff. I, I, I always, to this day, I, I love this stuff i love the egyptian magician and uh but you know it, you're, you're talking 23 years he quit he just was so 23 was years it, ago it, these guys anthony wow but was it uh negative or he just didn't want to yeah do it he didn't want to do it he's like he's like i'm done he's he, we were on a, a train back to new york from boston and he handed our manager uh, a piece of paper and said i'm done i'm finished that's it wow really done. yeah and that was that was but the, then didn't he a couple of years ago release his own jerky boys no album? no no that was a long time ago that oh, was okay. that was about 20 years ago oh that was uh a couple of years, twenty years. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, no, it was it was about I would say at least twenty years ago. It was one night we were talking on the phone and he said something hysterical. This is what you know, right when this stuff started shit hit fan. And uh, he's like, Yeah, Johnny, I, you know, I I I think uh maybe if you could do something for my solo record, maybe just a cut for my solo Oh record. wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, There's a little peek behind the curtain, I think. I think so. (laughs) I think we we got a little information there, and it is a ballsy move, if that's true, to try and go solo, put, you know, essentially call your album another Jerky Boys album, once a jerk, always a jerk, and ask Johnny, like, hey, could you do a call on this album? It's like, well, that's not really solo, man. You're using the name and the guy. (laughs) When did that interview happen? Do you have any idea, the STR one? I want to say 2020. So he was probably, <laughs> that's funny. He's like, didn't he just come out with one? And he avoided going, no, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he was on promoting that album. That's oh, why okay. I said uh, 2020. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> didn't he come out with some horse shit recently? <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's, that's as much as we really know. If you guys um, know where I can find maybe more of Kamal's side of things, if he's done an interview that I couldn't find anywhere, Send it to me, and maybe we'll do it on the Patreon at some point. Because I am fast. I love you know. I'm a I'm a gossipy little little girl, and uh, so I love I love beefs like that. Did you hear that hack and, ride uh, for the uh, promo? 
(laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Maybe you look like a little girl in the the clips now. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah. So if you guys have uh, more information that I missed, um, let me know. But like they, I think uh, they said there that Kamal doesn't talk about it ever really. So we may never hear his side. Who knows? That's the only thing making me think he did something. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough to say. It's tough to say. Johnny seems like the type. But, well, but I think Johnny kind of alluded to it there. It's clearly they Kamal wanted to be equal partners or maybe even thought he deserved more credit. And uh, I don't think Johnny was feeling that. I don't think he was uh, splitting the money evenly. That, that may be true, too. I don't know. Uh, but next we have their movie trailer. Well, this is rough. <laughs> now, I have a lot of ideas. And the the groundwork had not been laid yet. I think if the Jerky Boys came out after Jackass, which Jackass, uh, you know, it was definitely inf- some of the stuff they did was influenced by uh, the Jerky Boys. Mm-hmm. But if this movie came out after Jackass or after like like the Impractical Jokers made a movie after stuff like that had been released, I think the Jerky Boys movie would have been hidden camera. You know, Johnny Brennan dresses up as Frank Rizzo and Saul Rosenberg, and they go into businesses the same way they make prank phone calls. Right. I think that's what a a movie that would have been successful. Uh, However, (laughs) these are just, you know, a couple of guys from Queens that have been you know thrust into the spotlight and their biggest album, like, you know, they had. Uh, six albums in total for the Jerky Boys, four together, but their most popular one made a total of zero dollars. So these are guys that are still trying to capitalize on their success. Um, So, you know, when Touchstone Pictures comes to you and says, we want to make a movie, you're going to accept it. (laughs) You might might leap a little quicker than maybe you should. And I don't know if we're going to get through this whole trailer, but I just want to give you a taste of uh, what the Jerky Boys movie was like. Caravan Pictures presents the movie the phone company doesn't want you to see. Hey, Uh-oh. Jerky! Hello? What? Who the hell is this? Our Lady of Sorrows from this. Oh, I got hemorrhoids. Vinny Pastor, come on. And action! The Jerky Boys, the movie. Three gorge burgers with cheese. Okay, great. Spicy hot lamby nipple chops with minty pickled sour sauce. Starring the Jerky Boys themselves, Johnny Brennan and Kamal Hamed. Watch this. Now, what are you doing? Oh, you. Cut it out. Stop screwing around on... It's important to note that no one knows who the fuck those names are. <laughs> no one, people know the Jerky Boys. Johnny Brennan and Kamal Ahmed are not driving people to the movie theater. So if we get through it all, if we, I'll fill in some of the blanks if we don't make it all the way through this. But listen to some of the, the people they got to be in this movie. Oh, yeah, no, I saw Vinny Pastor right off the jump. Uh, is that... Um, uh, pussy. Big pussy. Yeah. He, but to be fair, he wasn't a name. This is before the surprise. This is a uh, 95. Uh, okay. I didn't. But there are there are more. Hold on. <laughs> a telephone. Featuring Alan Arkin and William Hickey. Do I know you? Sure, you know me, Chief. We go way back. They call me Rubberneck. And cut. And directed by James Melconian. They're sort of two down and outers that all they really know how to do is, uh, is hassle people over the phone. 
Yeah, yeah, put Tony on. Is he there? Yeah, who's calling? Look, jerky, I don't need to talk to you. Get me Tony! It's a scripted movie. You can keep playing it, but it's a scripted movie where they're making... Like prank calls, okay, well it doesn't make. We're watching the them is make fake prank calls. Doesn't make any sense. And the new album, which that will come into play later when talking about prank yankers that are being used in the movie. Hello, who's there? I don't think Tarbash is making any films in 2023. I don't think so. When people heard we were making a movie. They were in shock saying, what the hell's the movie going to be about? Who am I talking to? Hey there, tough guy. This is The Frank answer was Rizzo. nothing. <laughs> Frank Rizzo, open your ears, jackass. They end up calling the mob, and, and Johnny pretends he's Frank Rizzo, this new mob boss coming into town. Frank Rizzo. Frank Rizzo. Frank Rizzo. I don't know any Frank Rizzo. He said he knew you from the old days through Mario. Which Mario? There's 400 Marios. That sort of gets them in trouble and gets them on the run. All right, so I forgot, I forgot how goddamn long this is. Um... So it's basically like, and that's it. That's very nineties. That's very of the time to be like, Hey, prank calls are their greatest power. (laughs) That's what the movie will be about. Uh, When, like I said, there's a, there was a much simpler solution to how you make the jerky boys movie. But um, among the other big names that made appearances in this, Tom Jones and Ozzy Osbourne. (laughs) Whoa. Now, this is right before a weird time in Ozzy's life where he dipped into reality TV. So I don't know. uh, I don't know what Ozzy's financial situation was, but (laughs) they had had a lot of like Alan Arkin. That's a big actor to get in this movie. It's very weird. It is weird. Um, But, you know, they they had some star power behind it. Now, the Internet. I'm not too familiar with industry jargon, but the internet defined this as both a uh, commercial and um, what's the other (laughs) term? A critical and commercial failure is how they described this. So (laughs) I don't think it did particularly well in the box offices and it certainly didn't get the, um, uh, the VHS wasn't being passed around the way their first bootleg was. It's bad without the cult following. (laughs) So, um, yeah, the movie was pretty rough, but hey, I don't fault those guys for trying to do that. You know what I mean? Good for them. No, I literally would have just filmed them making prank phone calls and that's about it. That's what I'm saying is there's a there's a that's the shame of it is there's a, such a simpler answer to making the Jerky Boys movie mm-hmm. that they just missed. Yeah. They're like, oh, we'll do a scripted movie, which is a dumb idea. I also wonder how much they made off of that movie. A, because the movie made no money. Um but also, these are guys that the studio can jerk around a little bit. You know, I don't know if they had any sort of representation. Um, you know, the the music industry and record industry is notorious for screwing over talent. So I'm certain they weren't making too much of a mint on those records. Uh, so that's that's the shame of it when I look at it. And um, you know, Johnny has never. I, I didn't hear him. I listened to a bunch of interviews with him. I never heard him talk about being broke or anything. But you know. I don't know that he's uh, diving into a Donald Duck fountain of coins or anything. <laughs> or Scrooge uh, McDuck. Excuse me. Kamal is a gigantic human, by the way. Yeah, and I guess that's what made for, uh, you know, fun album covers and things like that. Is there a difference in size? <laughs> yeah. Did they ever actually go on the album cover themselves? Um, You know, I don't know. It seems like that would be... I, I don't know the answer to that, actually. Because usually it's just that jerky boy's guy, like the logo. Yeah. Yeah, well, I I know one of them. He said he was talking about this, and he couldn't figure out. He's like, "How do I make Frank Rizzo look for the album cover?" And they ultimately ended up just having like back of his head looking through the classified ads, which is probably a better way to do it. 
Mm. Um, next we have uh, Johnny talking about crank yankers. Uh, yeah. So, you know, th- that's like I said earlier, if you're of my generation, maybe you weren't a jerky boys fan, but you know, stuff that they influenced for goddamn sure. Oh yeah. And the, the most glaring example would be yep. crank yankers. Um, but there's no, there doesn't seem to be any uh, ill will because I think Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Corolla kind of did right by these guys to an extent. They, they try to do that with crank yankers. They try to like rip well, off jerky boys. Yeah, or try actually, to actually, I, I, Jimmy Kimmel did call me. We were on the phone for a while. And for whatever reason, we just couldn't come to a meeting on, of the minds. And it wasn't Jimmy so much because he was very nice. Mm. But he wanted me to be part of, or do have something to do with that show. I have, I have all the original paperwork mm. that they sent me that they wanted me to do some characters. Mm. But it's not jerky boys. It's not... A lot of it's red. A lot of it, you know, is, you know, after the fact. And the Jerky Boys, everything you ever heard is real. Mm. 100% what you're hearing is what what, what happened. Mm. I would never want people to get the idea that, oh, wait a minute. Does Johnny, did he do this with the Jerky Boys too? Mm. And I, so it, it wouldn't work. They, they have to know forever, you know, that what you hear with the Jerky Boys, that's what you got. Mm. So I believe because it sounds like what he's saying there is that Crank Yankers was all fake. Yeah. But I, bu- I believe what he means is because um, I heard him talking about this as well. I think what he means there is that everything on those calls, he wrote virtually nothing. He might come up with a premise for a call. Like if Saul Rosenberg's calling a glasses store, he has a, he has an idea of what he wants to ask about. But he wrote nothing and everything was all based on how this person responded and off the top of his head. Yeah. And so that's what I believe he's referring to is that um, crank anchors. And, you know, I mean, networks fucking bog down everything and notes and ideas and, um, you know, try and really just just scrutinize every little detail. So I'm sure they wanted a, a specific script authorized before the call was made, all that sort of shit. And you do have to credit um, Johnny, because we're speculating that like yeah, he didn't really cash in on this um, amazing endeavor that he had, this amazing franchise that he had in his hands. I don't know that he cashed in, but yet he still has the integrity to be like, ah, you know what? Jimmy Kimmel and Comedy Central, that doesn't really align with how I do it, so I'm going to pass. That is a respectable thing in a way. Yeah, he could have done just different characters and stuff, but he did say that they did stuff after the fact, like after the recording, so I'm wondering if... So I, I, my speculation to what that is, um, I, I think the Crank Anchors calls were real, um, but some of them were probably edited to make the answers funnier and everything. Yeah. And if you listen to the jerky boys, it's straight him, you know, a six minute phone call or something, just him talking to the person. He'll, they'll edit out, you know, hold music and stuff like that, but it's pretty much just the phone call. Right. Right. Uh, next uh, week we got uh, offensive material. Yeah. So like I, I mentioned this with uh, Tarbash, but a lot of his stuff played on stereotypes and things. So, you know, years later, like when Johnny put out a new album in 2020, uh, Vice wrote an article um, trying to, you know, condemn them and say that the Jerky Boys were, um, should be done away with. They were of a time that should uh, not be remembered. And this was his response to that, basically. 
I mean, there's yeah. people who will look for things from decades ago and write articles about how offended they are by it today. I found one from Vice recently about you. Did you see that with the headline, Nobody Needs a New Jerky Boys record right now? Yeah. You know, the guy's yeah. right and it's offended by everything. See, I have experience with this because they tried to do this to me 30 years ago. Okay. Uh, and it was Tipper Gore and, 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 Al Gore's wife, and they tried doing the same thing with me 30 years ago. The jerky boys are offensive to Muslims, to gays, to Jews, to blah, 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 blah. They went down the list. It sold millions of records for me. Millions of records. You know why? Because my fans know that that is bullshit. They don't realize my fan base is privy to what they're up to. The jerky boys are crazy, insane characters that get themselves themselves self-deprecating humor they get themselves into situations that are insane yeah so that article looked to me like it was written by just a whiny complaining woman who just <laughs> oh, oh i don't uh, i probably never even listened to the jerky boys no Pretty pretty much a perfect response with all the grace of a construction worker from Queens. Some dumb broad <laughs> wrote some article. <laughs> but but he's spot on there. And I think so this is why it's impossible to analyze comedy from the past and why me even saying like I don't I I I'm not a huge like jerky boys fan. And mm-hmm. again, I don't say that like I dislike them. I just never got into their stuff. Um, but it's hard to go back and try and recreate the time that it was made and understand the context. And I think Johnny Brennan, that's another trait that he shared with Howard Stern, where he's, you know, an equal opportunity offender and he might make jokes about, um, you know, gay men or Muslims, like he says there or whatever, um, Jews, like obviously Saul Rosenberg is a stereotypical Jewish character, but it's also his mother. Like I said, that's how the impression started. Um, and you know, I think that's a trait that Howard shared where, um, you know, it's very popular to bring up some of the blackface videos of Howard Stern, which are in 2023 wild to look back at, mm-hmm. but Howard was going at everybody like that. Jews included, men included, you know, divorce and things that he went through. He was also uh, attacking with the same vitriol, I guess you could say. Um, So it wasn't about, you know, hatred of anyone. It was about making fun of people. So it's just a different it's impossible to analyze now is basically my point. You're you're perfectly right. I think when you say the the natural next step for the jerky boys would have been a hidden camera costume do it in, in person. Yeah, I, th- I think very, very impractical jokers type of a thing. Right. Where it's basically their characters seeing what they can get people or, to say. Or like or, bad grandpa, like film it like that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I would say those are the two. I mean, obviously, crank anchors, like I said. But if you're talking about like um, influence and not direct copying essentially um i think jackass and impractical jokers definitely had a lot of influence from these guys definitely um next we have anheuser bush well i mean this is this is a uh, very topical mm. but uh, uh not really i just thought this was kind of an interesting story that again goes to that um sort of equal opportunity offender thing as a matter of fact, when I did commercials for uh, Anheuser-Busch, I had a whole run of really, really awesome Jack Tours <laughs> commercials. 
And Anheuser-Busch was very thoughtful and, and thinking and saying, well, these are great. But, you know, they were still a little iffy. So they focus grouped them. They they um, they yeah. rented out or, or they took the, uh, the club limelight in New York City. Mm-hmm. And they threw a major party for, you know, the gay community. And they had uh, a big party and played it. They wanted to see what the gay community thought about my stuff. And they went bonkers. They fucking went nuts. <laughs> they said it was the funniest commercials they've ever seen. The funniest commercial. And they said they absolutely loved it. He's got a, a knack for going. You know what they said about my stuff? It was the best was thing crazy. ever made. Yeah. <laughs> and then Anheuser Busch said, "I guess there's nothing we can do involving the LGBT community that'll bother anybody." <laughs> and they lived by that code. <laughs> but uh, no, you're right. That's my thing with listening to all these interviews with Johnny. Mm-hmm. Is he's a, a very stereotypical New Yorker? If you were making a character, you know, like I said, a construction worker from Queens. It would be Johnny Brennan, where he hangs on to that and he will tell you every detail of his success. He has no no problem sharing uh, his highest heights with you. Do you know how fucking funny I am? I mean, we were the greatest. <laughs> well, I was, and he, Kamal was there. Well, to put it in perspective, he talked about that movie like it was a success. So. That's true. That's true. Instead of just being like, I made a movie, it was, I made uh, the best movie ever made. Well, Kamal trashed the movie as well. He said uh, the movie stunk. Well, it seems like I haven't watched it, but, but judging by the trailer, I'd have to agree with him. Yeah. I feel like that might we have, we have to do a watch along at some point. That could be that could be a good one. Yeah, I didn't think of that. That could be a good Patreon bonus <laughs> yeah, yeah. down the road. Uh, next, uh, Pablo Honey. Oh, so this, go- this goes again to their cultural impact. That goes outside of comedy, and it just tells you I mean, like I said, I had people reaching out to me 30 years later in 2023. I just said, oh, I'll do a Jerky Boys episode. And people were like, oh, man, I love those guys. Well, I I Um, bet it was a lot of people with a similar situation that I was in that they just had their dad's cassette or something, you know? Right. Uh, Well, yeah, exactly. And uh, so Pablo Honey is a reference to the Jerky Boys that uh, went far beyond that. I got a phone call. I was at my mom's place. I believe it was 1992 or something like that. And I was at my mom's place and I believe it was 92, 93. I don't know. Um, And I get a phone call and I'm standing outside the door, just right outside the the, the main entrance on the porch. And uh, and it's uh, the record executives. And they called me and they, I guess they had one of the guys or a couple of the guys from Radiohead and they just asked permission. They, they, they told me that they love, they love my work and they're huge fans. And, and I'm the whole time I'm like, I, I'm thinking who, who the hell are these guys? I don't know who these guys. And this is, like I said, it's gotta be 92, 91, yeah. 92 or 93, something like that. So uh, they asked if they could use my, my track, Pablo honey, my skit to name their debut album in the States. And I said, guys, I said, absolutely. You're, you're completely welcome to use it. And then I, I, I said, goodbye. We all said goodbye. And, and I got off the phone and my mom says to me, she's like, who is that? And I was like, I don't know, some band or some shit. They, you know, they wanted to use one of my tracks to name their album. I don't know. I don't know who they are. I never heard of them. Then Radiohead chases me up the billboard charts and jerky boys hit number one in billboard. And right behind Jerky Boys is Radiohead with Pablo Honey. I mean, I, I found that pretty crazy, just that 
they were able to a that they were the top two albums at one time. <laughs> Just so Both you know, were, I was number one. <laughs> there's a little bit of that, a little braggadocia, but <laughs> and, and number two, kinda. <laughs> yeah, ba- basically, I had the top two albums. <laughs> but uh, I mean, radio at that Radiohead at that time, obviously massive, mm-hmm. and I think that's um, I think it's more common now, where you'll see, uh, you know cultural crossover like that where there's some you know some quirky or niche reference makes it into a completely different genre but i think for like a band like radiohead to name their album essentially after the jerky boys um i think that that's pretty wild and i think it kind of signifies uh just how big they were then yeah, that's they why. That's why I have to. I have to be like that. Net worth thing has to be wrong. He sold millions of records. <laughs> I don't think it is though. I don't. I don't think it is. Well, so here's the problem: is uh, you can tell even just in the interviews. We're going to play the phone call, a couple of the phone calls in a minute. But you can tell that um, Johnny's definitely a funny guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's he'll say some things that make me laugh. But I think he's a bit of a one trick pony in that way. And I'm not saying that to put him down. I think in a different time or maybe with different management in a different situation, I think he could have taken that skill and turned it into a lot of money. I think he was just in a situation where, like I said, his first record, he made no money on. So after that, they're doing their best to capitalize on it. But the record companies know they can fuck these guys over. They have a bit of a history for doing that. So it doesn't surprise me that these guys did not cash in on the jerky boy's name. Uh, I'm actually, to be honest with you, I'm surprised that they, that he owns it. Cause I think he, I I believe you, I believe the last album put out was under the jerky boy's name. So I'm actually surprised that, um, you know, Atlantic records or whatever it was, doesn't own that. Um, well, they probably, they probably own, the albums that were put out, but not the, 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 if you look at like a band, like if you, if a band, like a, a yeah. certain label puts out an album, they have the rights to that album, but not the band itself. Right. Right. So that's probably the scenario. Um, what's next? Uh, the two calls. Oh, we're already at the phone calls. All right. Yeah. So that, that's basically all I wanted to say about the jerky boys. Like I'm, I, I'm, uh, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm bashing them because when I say I'm not a fan, I don't mean like these guys suck or anything. Yeah, I just mean I I missed it, and by the time I got to them, I was too. You know, you know what it is. It's like when you've heard, um, if you never saw Anchorman, and heard you know Whale's Vagina and Stay Classy San Diego, and on every you know Sports Center reference, every kid at school is making that reference. You hear it ten thousand times. Every reference to that movie. Mm-hmm. When you watch Anchorman you're not going to find it that funny. Right. You're going to be like, oh, I've heard of all that. This horse shit. You, it almost seems hack because you don't even realize that they were the ones that that's where it comes from. Yeah. It'd be like ESPN be like, get Brett where I said. So I've, I've heard so many references to Frank Rizzo and uh, Sal Rosenberg. And I've listened to so many, you know, Richard and Sal prank calls and, uh, just prank calls in general, even the, uh, I think we'll talk about this on the Patreon episode, but even like the, um, the captain Jenks call like the, uh, uh, OJ Simpson chase phone call and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where people would prank, you know, live television, there's jerky boys influence there. So I had heard all this stuff and then I listened to old jerky boys. So to me, it felt very tired. 
even though they were the guys that created it. So the thing, uh, the thing like, like with him coming out with that album recently, it would be like if families started listening to the radio after supper again, it's just not what people do now. (laughs) I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Where that's kind of, it's a dead art form. Right. Right. But I think disco might've been the perfect analogy. Well, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did. I mean, you said, Um, so these are, uh, I, these might be a little longer than our usual clips. I just wanted to play them in full. These are, uh, two of the more popular calls that represent probably the two most popular characters. I didn't include, um, the Egyptian magician. Maybe I should have. No, I will probably do. If we've ever get any info, if these, Find people that listen to this program. Find us some Kamal yeah. stuff. We can play his stuff. Yeah, find on Kamal Ahmed and get him to come on the show. And then I'll play the Egyptian magician. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? It sure was awesome. That. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, the first one is Frank Rizzo, I believe, right? Yeah. The auto mechanic. Hello. Yeah. Auto mechanic. Yeah. Looking for a job. Huh? I'm looking for a job. Okay. Are you having experience? Yeah. Seven years. Yeah, I work on race cars. You have inspection letters? I work on race cars. Okay. You have inspection letters? Special what? Inspection letters. You are inspection. Oh, inspection. Sure, I have all that shit, tough guy. <laughs> okay, talk to my boss. Right. Okay? Yeah. I tell him everything. You have a seven year experience. Put your boss on, I'll talk to him. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, may I help you? Call it about the job. What do you mean, what about the job? Are you applying for a job? That's right, tough guy. Yeah. Yeah. I work on race cars. Excuse me? I worked on race cars for 18 years. On race cars? Yes. Do you have New York City inspection license? Yes, I do. All right. Where are you working now? Well, right now, I just had to leave an old job because of differences with my fucking boss. Huh? I had problems with my boss. You had troubles with your boss? Right. Uh-huh. Well, I'll tell you what. You can come down and see me tomorrow. Yeah, huh? Should I bring my fucking tools? <laughs> Should I bring my toolbox? Wait a minute. I'll tell you what. Call me tomorrow. Call you when? Excuse me? Call you when? Call me tomorrow. I don't think you can talk like that. You know, you don't have to call me and talk to me like that. All right, then I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll come down with my tools tomorrow. I start work tomorrow. You gonna come down and start work tomorrow? Yes or no? I got... Oh, wait a minute. I gotta hire you first, guy. Well, I'm the best. You're the best? That's right. Okay. I'm serious. I know. I'll work circles around you. I'll wrap your fucking head in with a ratchet. Uh, uh, you don't have anybody down there that works like me. Oh, yeah? That's right. Okay. Okay? All so right. I'll see you tomorrow with my tools, fuckface. <laughs> There's no reason for it. I just like, <laughs> do you want me to, I'll commit tomorrow with my fucking tools. <laughs> <laughs> He's very good at using curse words. Yeah. <laughs> he knows right when to drop them. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that that's what I mean is like, if I was you know, 15 years old or whatever, listening to that in 1991, I'd probably be howling. If I'm 15 years old, listening to that in 2006, after I've seen Bart Simpson do it 10 million times, then I'm like, Oh, I've heard this before. Who cares? Yeah. You know, I'll always, I'll Uh, always chuckle, but you know, that's about where it ends. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not howling the way people were. I don't have a relationship to the people that were like, I would, I would, you know, I'd have to pull over listening to these albums. 
um, which is unfair to them, obviously, because they were so parodied to the point where, like, I think the Simpsons were basically paying homage to them, but it just became such a staple of that show, like Bart calling um, Moe's, prank calling Moe, that became so synonymous with the Simpsons that, like, by the time um, kids my age were uh, aware of pop culture, we associated it with them. They were the prank call kings, Bart Simpson. Yep. Uh, and our last one here is Saul Rosenberg. Also, um, yeah. um, just wanted to note that people Please. accuse Jim Norton of stealing his Chip Chipperson character from the Jerky Boys. Yeah, Norton addressed this, and um, he said it's just simply not true. He's like, I did li- like I liked those albums when I was young, so maybe there's some influence, but like. They're completely different characters. Chip Chipperson's a, a stereotype of basically a Opie. completely a, a kind of a, an Opie type for sure. A guy who's not self-aware, just an imbecile. Like that that's who he's stereotyping. A guy that wants to be funny so badly and isn't. So yeah, Opie kind of. But um, this is basically a more of a Jewish stereotype or an old woman like his mother. So the characters aren't really real. There might be some similarities, I guess, but to accuse Jim Norton of that, you also have to point the finger at, like I said, Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla, the Simpsons, uh, Johnny Knoxville. Mm-hmm. There's a million people that were influenced Howard Stern. There's a million people that were influenced by um, Johnny Brennan. Right. So, but uh, here's a uh, Saul Rosenberg. All right. Hello. Hello. Yes. Yes, I bought glasses there. My name is Saul Rosenberg. Yes. And my eyes are going crazy. Okay, let me pull your record card. Hold on, please. Okay, thank you. Mr. Rosenberg, I don't have a record card on you. Where did you buy your glasses? Sure it was here? Yes, I did. And do you wear glasses? No, where did you buy them? Uh, At your place then. What address did you go to? It's, it's the one right in the city there. I don't quite remember. Well, there's a lot in the city, and sometimes people get confused. I don't have a record card on you. How long ago did you buy it here? About four days, and my eyes is going crazy. And Mr. Rosenberg, I don't <laughs> believe you bought it at this office because I'm the only one here. I don't wear glasses, and if it was four days ago, I, um, uh, I would have remembered you. And I don't, and I don't have a record card on you. Did you go to the Empire I, State Building? I, I, went, I went to the Empire State Building, and I can't see so well, good. So you went to see Dr. K? Yeah, but he's an asshole. I couldn't <laughs> see so good from the Empire State <laughs> Building. Well, would you like to make an appointment to come in and see us? I went to the observatory because of these glasses. I can't see, goddammit. Okay, would you like to come in and see us? Sure. Okay. We're at 30 East 60th Street. 3578 Street. Okay. No, no, no. We're at 30... 3-0. Okay. This one I really enjoy. Yeah. All right. Should I bring all my glasses with me? You need an examination. And all my glasses? Yeah, Mr. Rosenberg, do you need an examination? Okay. Do you need an examination? <laughs> all right. Yeah, all right. You need an appointment. Right. And sh- I'll bring all my shoes and my, my glasses with me. So I have them. Mr. Rosenberg. Sure. You need, do you want to see the ophthalmologist? Right. You need an appointment. I'm sorry. You need an appointment. Okay. Okay, hold on. I'll have my girl make an appointment for you to see the doctor. Okay, do you have the address? Fantastic, then. You have the address? Yes. What's the... What room? Uh, it's four. I, I don't know. You say 3587? No, 30 East 60th Street. 
30 East 60th Street. Okay, thank you. Oh, you need an appointment. Hold on. Right. Hello? 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 Barbara? Yes, uh, I have to make an appointment with you, sir. Uh, where would you like to come in? Whatever you want me to, honey. <laughs> Whatever's good for you. Uh, you want to come in tomorrow? Sure, if you're free. Yes, okay. You can come in at, uh, 12 o'clock. Okay, honey, baby. All right? Yes. Thank you, sweetheart. You're welcome. Bye-bye. I and uh again to note the influence there's a Richard and Sal call from Stern where uh we'll probably play it in the bonus episode but they call and order a pizza with everything and one by one go uh but uh, could you hold the pepperoni on that and the onions actually he's like all right no pepperoni no onions he's like and hold the sausage and he goes through every ingredient <laughs> he's like so you just want to you just want a cheese pizza and he's like actually Hold the cheese and the sauce and the bread. <laughs> and they just hang up. <laughs> but like that's another thing where it's essentially the art to, uh, prank calls is just wearing people down. <laughs> right, right. Just the, the it's amazing when they don't hang up. That's that's the other thing is like I I felt it there laughing at him just you know fucking up the numbers and making him repeat it and everything. <laughs> yeah, that's something. It's kind of similar to uh, you know what a lot of people say about Saturday Night Live where it's almost unfair for people in their thirties or forties or fifties to analyze this shit because it's made like you're supposed to enjoy these tapes when you're in like high school and college. Right. That's when it's supposed to be, that's who it's made for. Um, like that's literally when he started doing it was when he was a kid. So like it's, it's for that group. So even for me to analyze it as an adult is probably not even fair to them because it is obviously uh, very funny. Oh yeah, like uh, I, I'm also like into like fart jokes still. Like, like it doesn't take much to get me to laugh. <laughs> so I don't know how funny sure. it truly is, but just him, like you said, just saying "fuck" in the right spot is just very funny. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. the The impact that they had um, is so you know wide reaching <laughs> right. that it truly is unbelievable. And honestly, like of the people we've talked about on this show, of the different subjects we've done, mm-hmm. I, I certainly don't think they're the most influential, but like they're in the upper echelon, I think. You know what I mean? Like if you're talking about people that you hear imitated, you know, like Norm probably now, even though it's kind of hard to imitate Norm. Yep. Um, Stern for sure has a lot of people that have imitated him over the years, like Mitch Hedberg, definitely, and Brian Regan have people that have copied their voices. Yeah, but like the Jerky Boys are right in that group as far oh, as yeah, thousand uh, percent. But, but, but as far as whether it's either people straight up ripping them off and copying them, I mean Todd Pettengale is the worst offender of that, where he is literally doing he'll do the Saul Rosenberg voice uh, of Scott and Todd if you guys aren't aware an old uh, New York radio show. He would, he would literally do the Saul Rosenberg voice, call people and have, you know, Jewy complaints for lack of a better word. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and that's what he was doing was like being a stereo, being a stereotype basically, but copy, not just being a stereotype, but also copying the guy that kind of invented that. Um, So like they would have people straight up rip them off or just kind of take, um, different aspects of them and, and, you know, change and evolve and advance them. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to the jerky boys because tremendous impact on comedy. 
as I've as I've said about different subjects, you certainly can't tell the story of uh, the history of comedy without talking about the Jerky Boys, at least for a little bit. So definitely. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know, like I said, a lot of you are Jerky Boys fans, so I hope I did them a service. I uh, I hope I didn't fuck up too badly. And like I said, if you guys have information that I missed, always reach out to me. That goes for any topic. And uh, we'll either, you know, clarify on a future episode or maybe do a bonus episode about it or uh, whatever. And if you want to find those bonus episodes, you guys know the best place to go. That's blindmike.net. I say it over and over again. It's about time you listen to me, for goodness sake. Um, Go to blindmike.net. You can support the show for free uh, everywhere you get podcasts, including YouTube. We'd love if you subscribe to the YouTube page because uh, that seems to be the movement in the podcast world. And if you want to support the show a little bit extra, then uh, get on the Patreon, get bonus episodes, get these episodes a week early, uh, plus a lot more back there. Uh, oh, but I also do um, reviews of uh, comedy specials. I've been doing that pretty regularly uh, for specials that have been released this year. Um, so if that sounds interesting to you, subscribe to the Patreon. Blindmike.net is the easiest place to find all of those links. And uh, if you want to support Craig... And uh, the work that he does, all I ever get every day, emails, Craig does a great job. He should talk more on Why You Laughing. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> so, so if you're one of those people, um, go to verygoodshow.org and uh, support Craig and his very good show. Oh, I think uh, They have a Patreon as well, and you can check out their free episodes. Yes, thank you. And uh, that's it. Oh, I should mention this. <laughs> We're about to play something, right? Yes. The inaugural right. uh, try. Give me, give me a little feedback. To those of you that make it this far into the episode, to the people that listen to the whole thing, I'm looking for feedback from you. Uh, this is our, our boy Hack Ride. Uh, <laughs> if you listen to the Blind Mike Project, you know all about Hack Ride. He's been an inter- integral part of that program lately. Um, but he made something for Why Are You Laughing? And he made an outro. I want to know if you guys feel it fits or not. Uh, so far people have liked it and I, the song has been stuck in my head. I love it. Uh, if, if people unanimously hate it, then maybe we'll keep it. No, maybe, maybe we'll give it, but like, uh, if you guys like it, let me know and, uh, we'll, we'll keep it in. This is the debut of hack rides outro. And, uh, we will talk to you guys next time on why are you laughing? Why are you laughing with my mic and crap?